Greetings and welcome to Soundography, a crash course in music, one band at a time. I'm Brian Ibbett. And I am on Manic Monday. Aw. And uh, yeah, we are here to uh, to talk about a band that I think has been on my list for quite a while as far as one that I wanted to cover for the show because, because of songs like Walk Like an Egyptian and Eternal Flame and Manic Monday. A lot of people just kind of dismiss the band called The Bangles as uh, just another girl group yeah, pretty much the same as the Go-Go's because they came out in roughly the same time period and they were an all-girl group and um they all played their they all played their own instruments you know they, yeah they they gave off kind of more rock and roll vibes and some of the vocal groups that were out at the time yeah and so it was really easy to lump all of them into one category even a little bit with the runways who who were you know several years earlier but do have some connective tissue I was excited about this, and I, I'm glad we did it because it, it introduced me to some works by the band that I didn't know about, um, that I hadn't listened to, and so was yeah, my 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 knowledge of them was my knowledge of them was strictly top forty. Oh wow, okay, so just the songs that everybody knows. Good. Well, this will be an interesting one. So, what did you let's let's get into it now? What did you think? I actually had a really good time with this. This was it was shocking how much fun I had. I don't think I had as much fun with this as I did with like Shania Twain. Mm-hmm. but I had more fun with this than I did with the Go-Go's. Yeah, I did too. I really enjoyed this. And I think there's, it feels like there's a lot more variety in their music than some of those other bands that you mentioned, uh, Go-Go's and, and. Oh, Shania Twain uh, that I mentioned. Shania Twain. Yeah. That's, that's the big one right there. Yeah. Shania Twain. Very, very much uh, a lot more variety than Shania. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, sorry, I'm getting a cat off my desk. Oh, that's always. And then, and then I, I went to hug her and I slammed her head into the side of my headphones. So oh, I think yeah. she'll be coming back. Sorry. <laughs> Does your cat have a spring in its butt too that when every time you knock it off a table, it just pops right back up? Yes, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, we'll see if she stays down. Yeah, um, that's a... Because that's a, it's pretty much the goal is, oh, no, I, I'm not finished knocking everything off your desk yet. Yeah. So let me come back up. Uh, back to the bangles. So uh, yeah, this, is, this was a lot of fun for me. I really did enjoy this weekend. I'm glad we... Glad we did it. And I don't, you know, I'd, I'd obviously been a huge fan of Susanna Hoff's work. I had those first couple albums by the Bengals, but um, never really listened to any of the newer stuff. Uh, and then, of course, all of the uh, Matthew Sweet, Susanna Hoff's uh, covers albums, which are all really good. Let's get into it, starting with uh, when the band was formed. 1981, uh, the band was formed. Uh, Susanna Hoffs and Vicky and Debbie Peterson met by way of The Recycler, one of those uh, put an ad in a newspaper, look for members of your band kind of thing. And I, in the 80s, mm-hmm. so many bands started with, I put an ad in The Recycler. Oh, yeah, for sure. The Recycler, The Village Voice, or, yep. you know, Squeeze. It was, an, it was a, a card in front of, I think, a, uh, either a candy store or a coffee shop or something like that just putting up a sign in the window. I love that kind of thing, like finding your band that way. All that stuff disappears in in the age of social media. Initially, they were called The Colors, with a U. The classic lineup was Susanna Hoff singing, Vicki Peterson on guitars and vocals, Debbie Peterson on drums and vocals, and uh, Michael Steele on bass and vocals. And they shortly changed their name to The Bangs. And... uh, that's how they released their first stuff. Annette uh, Zelinkis was the bass player early on and returned as of 2018. They recorded an EP in 1982 and released the single The Real World. Yeah, bring me down, bring me down, 
just before release, they had to change their name again, adding the L-E-S to the end. So from the bangs to the bangles. So they're not from, Se- left- they're not from Seattle, not Seattle, Cincinnati, right? <laughs> they're not. That's, that's such a, a thing that drives me nuts is when people call the, the, the team, the Cincinnati Bengals. It's not the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals. Yes. Bengals, not the Bengals. But man, I hear so many people say, oh my God, it's going to be the Ravens versus the Bengals this weekend. No, no, so no, no. nobody's nobody's playing like an Egyptian out on the field this, this time, this uh, this week. By the way, the cat popped right back up. Good, on my good, desk. good for the cat. Yeah, yeah, no surprise. Just going to leave her up here until she knocks over the wrong thing and then she's gone. <laughs> Uh, Annette left before the first album was released to work on her own project, Blood on the Saddle. She was replaced by Michael Steele from The Runaways, also known as Mickey Steele. The first album, 1984, is all over the place. Uh, Singles released from this album were Hero Takes a Fall and Going Down to Liverpool. Leonard Nimoy was featured in the music video for Going Down to Liverpool. Cover, by the way. Um, so he's showed up also. a number of times because he also was a key player in the Information, Information Society. Society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pure energy. Uh, they also uh, then went on and tour opening for Cindy Lauper. And it was around this time that somehow they got on Prince's radar, who gave them the song Manic Monday. And I guess the song was actually originally written for Apollonia. Yeah, and there are versions of it out there that you can hear um, with uh, her vocals. And then a couple of years ago, there was a Prince album that collected all of the demo tracks that he'd recorded for other people of his songs. So you've got a specifically Prince version of Nothing Compares to You and The Glamorous Life by Sheila E. And then his version of Manic Monday, which is really interesting. I'm talking about somebody who's coming to town and wants to make some noise and and, and it causes him to be late for work, which <laughs> I always felt like those, those were the worst lyrics. <laughs> I love the bangles, but, but yeah. Why did you have to pick last night to want to have sex? Cause yeah. now I'm late for work. Yeah. Like really with the, all right, well, apparently I'm doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> Manic Monday was a number two hit that was only outsold by Kiss by Prince. The song was not written by Christopher. That's the name he by, that he went under uh, for the writing of Manic Monday. So when you looked at the liner notes, Manic Monday was written by Christopher. They, they use the symbols to spell the letters out. <laughs> right. It was C R exclamation point uh, <laughs> S a dollar sign. Yeah. Uh, cross. Uh, <laughs> A zero. Uh, um, degrees. Yeah. Degrees sign. A zero. <laughs> Paragraph marker. And the pi symbol. symbol. And the pi symbol. The pi symbol, right. Yeah, right, exactly. Oh, my God. In 1986, they released their second album, Different Light. This was a much more polished album than the first album. Uh, Walk Like an Egyptian was a worldwide smash from this. It reached number two on the Billboard charts. Walk like 
sung, by the way. Another one that, it's funny, I love the deep cuts on all the Bengals albums. I'm not so much a fan of the top 40. I'm, you know, Manic Monday's okay. I, I could go the rest of my life without ever hearing Walk Like an Egyptian again. I think the reason Walk Like an Egyptian was a hit was because of the video. I don't think the it had video, anything yeah. to do with the song as much as it did the video. And the people, uh, uh, the people you know, dancing, the, but also the band performing, yeah. like the the close up mm-hmm. on Susanna Hoff's eyes, yes. right before the yeah. drum. That that thing, that those kind of moments made that video that, stand out mm-hmm. for sure. And when you do a search, if you do a search online for Susanna Hoff's, that is the thing that comes up is a still from that shot, still of of uh, her with her eyes to the side, mm-hmm. uh, singing "Walk Like an Egyptian." That song, by the way. So oh, now the cat, she's on my keyboard. And she's leaning on the brightness key. So it just made my monitor fully black. <sighs> you are a pill. Um, oh, by the way, I think I'm going to leave in all the cat drama because it's fun. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah, all right. Okay. It's totally fine. So little little story about um, Walk Like an Egyptian. Can't remember what year it was. 80, 85, 86. My uncle and I went to Florida to do um, Disney World and Universal Studios and stuff down there. We'd go on trips every once in a while. One of the nights after we'd left Disney, we were still looking for something fun to do. And we found this place or we saw a sign on the side of the road called Mystery Fun House. And we're like, oh, great. This place is great. Sounds awesome. So we pull into the surprisingly should have been a clue empty parking lot. <laughs> and we go up and we buy a ticket and go inside. And it's it's just basically a trailer that I think was built at an angle, or no, it was it was propped up one side higher than the other, so that every room was an angle, right? You had to kind of make your way on these little sl- uh, slanted floors, and one of the rooms was a Egyptian themed room, and Walk Like an Egyptian was playing in a, a constant loop, but it was on cassette. And this thing had been playing day after day, hour after hour, week after week for so long that it was slowed down to, you know, walk like an Egyptian. You know, it's basically <laughs> like, like <laughs> you could make out all the fast talking lyrics. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. But also, also yeah. it added an air of creepiness to it too. It did. It added definitely an air of creepiness. Creepiness. Yes. Uh, yeah. That. Thing. I don't even know if it's still around. I'm actually Googling to see if Mystery Funhouse in Orlando is still a thing. I can't imagine because, like I said, that um, that place was so empty. Uh, the, the, like, we were the only ones there. Here we go. Uh, founded uh, by David A. Siegel, 1976. Operated through February 2001. Right across the street from Universal Orlando Resort. Uh, it eventually expanded over time to include a laser tag facility, an arcade, a dinosaur-themed mini golf course, and other attractions. Fifteen areas called chambers, including a mirror maze, a rolling barrel crawl-through tunnel, scary jail areas, moving bridge, crooked room. There we go. Sounds like the uh, a building based on the uh, musical set piece from Greece. Kind of, yeah, a little bit that uh, the the we go together. Waka waka boom shaboom <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, that's exactly that was the how it part goes. of Greece where, where Pac Man uh, played <laughs> <laughs> and Fozzie Bear, apparently. <laughs> all right. Anyway, that's that's all the information I'm going to give you on Walk Like an Egyptian and why I think I'm sick of it. Uh, the other singles from this album were If She Knew What She Wants, which is the Jules Sheer cover, Following and Walking Down Your Street. 
The Less Than Zero soundtrack also featured their cover of Hazy Shade of Winter. This is not the first time that this soundtrack has made the show. We also mentioned it was Slayer with their cover of In Gata De Vida. That's right. Yeah. And eventually we'll talk about going back to Cali at some point, I'm sure. We did already. Oh, we did that too. Because oh, we uh, did LL Cool yeah. J. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Okay. Third time. Yeah. I don't think we, I think I might have skipped that note though, maybe. We might have skipped it. I, yeah. I bet we did. In 1988, the band released the album Everything. It was reported that the band had a difficult time working with producer David Singerson. Singerson. Uh, In Your Room and Eternal Flame were released as singles. Eternal Flame is probably without question their best-selling hit of their career. For sure. Not only that, it's the biggest-selling single uh, by an all-female band in history. Oh, well, then of course it's their biggest hit. So (laughs) I guess it would have to be right by default. In 1989, with friction among the band members because the media had started singling out Susanna Hoffs as the lead singer of the group. Even though, man, you listen to these albums, I noticed this a lot going through this week, that she's on most, if not all of the singles. Going down to Liverpool is not Hoffs vocals. But a lot of them, most of them have Vicky Peterson on vocals. Some of them have Debbie Peterson on vocals. But it's it's like all the singles that have uh, Susanna Hoffs on them. And so if you only heard the greatest hits, you'd assume, yeah, uh, Susanna Hoffs is the, is the lead singer of the band, which I'm sure Vicky Peterson would like to argue about, <laughs> uh, and rightly so, which, it's, which is a bummer because I actually ended up really liking a lot of the Vicky Peterson-fronted songs and even some of the, the Debbie Peterson-fronted songs. Uh, around this time, Susanna Hoff started a solo career, and Vicky Peterson was a fill-in member for the Go-Go's. We'll, we'll get that coinkydink. That's right. In 1990, a Greatest Hits album was released. The band started thinking about a reunion in 1998 and officially reformed to record a song for the Austin Powers soundtrack. Uh, Susanna was actually part of the band Ming T, which is another fake band. <sighs> the fake band from the Austin Powers uh, interstitials. See, we miss all this stuff. There are so many, I, so many. I thought about them because I do like the song BBC. I almost included it in my um, in my list, but uh, I didn't like it as much as the other songs I put on the list. <laughs> <laughs> so I left it off. It was number 11 or 12 or something. Yeah. Susanna Hoff's husband was the director of Austin Powers. Nepotism soundtracks. Yes. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, her mom actually, I don't know if we have this in the notes and I haven't looked ahead, but she did a movie called The All-Nighter. Um, Susanna Hoffs did. And yeah, the other the other thing you find a lot of when you search for Susanna Hoffs on, on the internet are stills from The All-Nighter where she, um, very scantily clad in one scene. Uh, but I think that movie was directed or produced by her mom, (laughs) if I remember correctly. Get the Girl was released in 1999, and there was a tour the next year in 2000.
In 2003, Doll Revolution was released. This album was recorded in 2001-2002. The album featured Stealing Rosemary, Ride the Ride, and Nickel Romeo. Something That You Said was released in 2003 as a single, and the title track written by one Elvis Costello, favorite artist of mine. He uh, he also got a song that was basically written by him, but performed by uh, Olivia Rodrigo when she did that, uh, that song that pretty much lifted uh, Pump It Up. So oh, couple, like two right. years ago, two years ago, Olivia Rodrigo released her album uh, I forgot the name of the guy's her sour, sour, or yeah. yeah. And one of the songs yeah. on there is basically just a, a lift of the instrumental and pump it up, yeah. And uh, yeah, I when my kid was playing, I'm like, that's not her song, that's something else. And it took me a couple days to figure mm-hmm. it out. And by the time I figured it out, the internet had figured it out. <laughs> and uh, more and, importantly, did Elvis Costello yes, figure it he out? He did, yeah. and he actually tweeted and said, Ah, it's just rock and roll, it happens all the time. Yeah, that's right. I know, which is which is kind of the not the typical rock and roll response no, that you get. Uh-uh. Yeah, but I think sure. he was just happy to be in the conversation again. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's never left the conversation. He just hasn't been in the pop conversation yeah. in a long time. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I'm seeing him in in three weeks, yeah. two weeks. Yeah, that's cool. Anyway, <laughs> in 2004, the Essential Bengals was released, and then 2005, Glitter Years, Rarities, and Gems was released. And they performed covers of the Jim Cartoon songs. <laughs> did they? No, come on now. They did not. But with that title, come on. With that title? Yeah. With back, that's another callback to the yeah. Fake Bands episode, yeah. too. You're going to slip gems in here any chance you get. <laughs> yeah. aren't They're you? the new Dream Theater joke. Okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. When are we going to do an episode about Jim? <laughs> in 2011, they released their most recent album, Sweetheart of the Sun. This features Anna Lee, Sweetheart of the Sun, and Circles in the Sky. Michael Steele was gone for this album, and uh, production was done by Matthew Sweet, who obviously worked a lot with Susanna Hoffs. He was also a member of uh, Ming T, and I can totally hear his production in this album. Yeah. Without yeah, a doubt. Yeah. In 2014, Ladies and Gentlemen, The Bengals was released. Very cleverly, by the way, highlighting the L-E in their name on the cover to basically remind you that for some of this, they were the bangs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's another compilation album. It, can, it included covers of Outside Chance by the Turtles, Stepping Out by Paul Revere and the Raiders, and some others. Seven and Seven is is on their really good version. And it includes their uh, five-song debut EP and their debut single, which was credited as The Bangs. Uh, three new recordings were released in 2018 as a compilation called Three by Four. Three songs by four Bengals. Very <laughs> clever. And I think, um, was one of them one of them might have been a cover, and I can't remember which one, but uh, I think that's the case. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I think we're due for another Bengals uh, reunion album, and it would be great if, if Michael Steele 
came back because I, I like their full, yeah, their full lineup. Yeah. Uh, Hammond, tell me about some statistics and general notes about the Bengals. Well, we covered a lot of this, the uh, things about chart placements and things like that earlier, but the big one for this one was they were inducted in the vocal group hall of fame in 2000. Yeah. And, and that's why I think that they, they have that advantage over the go-go's is that they, uh, all sing. They're more of a vocal group than the go-go's go-go's, you know, you had Belinda Carlisle, you had uh, Jane Wheedlin, and you had, but you had arrangements that weren't really focused on the vocals of the band and, and focused on harmonization and stuff like that. I'm thinking here, not sure if they're better musicians, but I do think they're better singers and vocalists. Mm-hmm. The Bengals are better singers and vocalists. Yeah, I think so. Can't, um, I won't make the statement they're better musicians because you can't really compare Apple's. You can't compare Bengals to Go-Go's. No. I mean, I do really like Jane Wheedlin's voice. I like Belinda Carlisle's voice a lot. But I don't know. They're just different. Yeah. I think that's that's what you're what you're getting at. Yeah. Is that they're, but uh, I think different. the fact that they had f- the whole band that could sing versus just a couple people that could sing gave them a fuller right. sound and more options. Yeah, I think so. Never got to see them in concert, but if I did, what would be their Stairway to Heaven song? Uh, Hammond, what are some of our choices? Walk Like an Egyptian, uh, Hazy Shade of Winter, and Manic Monday. An Eternal Flame, but yeah. that again, later, a later release. Yeah, I'm thinking huge. it's Manic Monday. Uh, you would be absolutely correct. Yeah, their their most uh, performed song in concert with 181 performances is Manic Monday. Second is Going Down to Liverpool, Hero Takes a Fall, only because it's so early. Uh, Walk Like an Egyptian, If She Knew What She Wants, Hazy Shade of Winter, September Girls, Live, or Live, which is a cover of the Merry-Go-Round, Eternal Flame, and In Your Room. Those are the top 10. So many covers in there. Prince, Katrina and the Waves, Jules Shear, Simon and Garfunkel, Big Star. Uh, they're, you know, uh, what, six of their top 10 songs are covers um, by other artists or covers of other artists. Uh, excellent. Speaking of covers, let's talk about who we would like to hear them cover. I will start. And for me, it was, um, I was wrestling with a couple different ones. I really wanted to focus on a, they're, they're kind of um, folk pop roots and also their harmonization. And I was originally going to pick Haim because, you know, that they're, they're another band whose harmonies work really, really, really well. Yeah, they're another all-girl group. They're all sisters. And I decided to stick in California but go to a much older band, a band that uh, has broken up and reformed and, and uh, been around a long time. Uh, the Eagles and Peaceful Easy Feeling. This one basically would let them stretch their harmony chops. And and the Bengals, you know, always did have this kind of California folk pop vibe to them that I think would, would benefit greatly with a, with an Eagles cover. It's a really good pick. Thanks. Uh, Hammond, tell me yours. What you got? Uh, I, I, I went for a place where they could really use their vocals too. 
And then I went mm-hmm. for a place where it could be more slowed down and more eternal flamey in its presentation. And that's a kiss mm-hmm. from a rose by seal. And I think they'd really be able to keep the feel of the song, but fully, fully dip it in some Bengal sauce. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, through this one, you can, you can hear it, right? Cause it would probably, it would start with, uh, uh, just a Susanna Hoff's solo vocal. Mm-hmm. And then the chorus would easily pull in, you know, Vicky and Debbie harmonization on it. I think it'd be really, really cool. Yeah. They could use the musical build up there near the end. I mean, there's a lot of different ways mm-hmm. they could, they could work it, but it's, uh, I feel like it's just a given that this would be something that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And Kiss from Rose and Eternal Flame. My gosh, I feel like they were cut from the same cord, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. Or cut from the same cloth. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about uh, their music. And uh, this is where we pick a few songs that you could couple with their greatest hits and uh, have a really complete presentation you could have everything all over the place uh to borrow from a couple of their album titles uh you know we usually don't pick singles and i accidentally did pick a couple but whatever uh <laughs> I tend to lean towards them um the first one i mentioned earlier is going down to liverpool a uh, vicky peterson cover vicky peterson fronted cover of a song by katrina and the waves and this was one that i heard before I heard the Katrina and the Waves version. And so the Bengals version became that definitive version for me. And I really, really, uh, really dig that. Uh, number two from that same album, All Over the Place, He's Got a Secret. You know, the verse goes in one direction, but I love how the chorus musically goes in a completely different musical direction. You think it's going to be the same, same major key chord progression and it doesn't go there and it's uh, surprising. And that's maybe that's the secret. I really like it. Uh, number three comes from Doll Revolution. It's the title track, Tear Off Your Own Head, or I guess it's the parenthetical is Doll Revolution. Uh, come on, it's an Elvis Costello song, right? How could I not love this thing? I love his version of it. I love the Bengals version of it. They are both, they're both modern punk for me and, and it just works. It works so well. Uh, fourth one also comes from Doll Revolution and I didn't realize until I was reading the notes out loud that this was also considered a single. It's called Nickel Romeo.
here's the thing. If you if you think about uh, Pearl Jam's even flow while you listen to it, you're going to hear some influence there, especially the beginning. There's, I don't know why, there's like a an even flow <laughs> vibe to the song, but I like it regardless of that, or maybe because of it. Number five for me is Call On Me by The Bangs, their first, uh, I think the B-side of their first single, The Real World. This, for a band that, like most bands of the time, definitely had some Beatles influences, you you, you got to expect that a lot of these, these the singers of the 80s had parents who had Beatles music constantly playing in their house and so became an influence to members of the band. Uh, this is the most Beatlesque thing that I heard all week and I really, really liked it. And then I have a sixth this week. This is a Susanna Hoff solo from her um, more recent solo album. It's a cover of The Lightning Seeds, All I Want. Totally perfect for her voice. Ian Brody has a great voice and has a great kind of diminutive sound and delivery to his music. And I think that goes really well with Susanna Hoff's voice as well. Hers is very, she's got like a raspy baby doll voice and it works really well for this this song. Honestly, I could have done an all Susanna Hoff's solo uh, playlist that were all just covers because <laughs> she does so many that I like. And that's not even counting like the the under the cover stuff that she did with Matthew Sweet. But um, I decided not to. I think that would have broken the rules. So I just did uh, uh, just pick the one but had to mention all of the rest. It's a good list. Hammond, what, thank you, man. Uh, what you got? What do you got for your list? All right. So my first one is More Than Meets the Eye from All Over. the focus on the vocals and the, the sparse arrangements of this out the song uh it's just good to listen to and also you can tell that they really do know how to sing yeah then i picked september girls from different light This feels like a late summer, last gasp of summer before the leaves change kind of song. You're sitting on the porch. It's starting to get just a little nip in the air. You're starting to feel it's just changing. Mm. That's the best time to listen to this. And it really fits with the the lyrics and the title. And it's a cover of uh, Big Star, Alex Chilton. And again, the song I heard the original, uh, I heard this version long before I heard the original version. And so, again, the Bengals version became the definitive version for me on this one, too. All right. And then my third one is Watching the Sky from Everything. Watching the Sky from Everything. 
This starts off almost like a country tune, but then it falls into a really good rock groove. This also feels kind of different from the rest of their stuff. And it kind of, I think it might be my favorite of their things that weren't singles. Like if I push the singles off, I might be left with this as my favorite song. It's cool. It's a good one. Yeah. Then number four, Ask Me No Questions. This one stands out with its, again, sparse instrumentation, and they really, really lay on the harmonies on this one. I really like the way this one sounds. Yeah, they really, they they excel at the harmonies, and they it feels like they really didn't start working them into more of their songs until mid to late library. Uh-huh. And um, they had a few songs in the original couple albums that had them, and of course, Hazy Shade of Winter has a lot of them. Um but I really could have used more of them because their voices really complement each other. Yeah, they, they blend really well together. And the fact that they found each other basically through ads is a is just a miracle because this sounds like something that people mm-hmm. put together in a studio, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. And my last one is Ball and Chain from Sweetheart. This is just a good old fashioned rock and tune. Like it's just straight up rock and roll. Yeah. And it's fun. I mean, there's nothing more to it. It's just good old rock and roll tune. Yeah. And one of the few songs uh, from that album that Debbie Peterson uh, sang as opposed mm-hmm. to Vicky or Susanna. Yep. Uh, really cool. Awesome. Good, good collection of stuff. And, and um, you know, even though I had a couple singles in there, it still make, make for a good uh companion to the greatest hits albums, which I think are also really good. Um, just keep in mind when you listen to those greatest hits albums that uh, Susanna Hoff's not the only vocalist yeah. <laughs> in the Bengals. And, and you do yourself a favor by listening to some of those deeper cuts with Vicky and Debbie yep. uh, on uh, taking the lead. All right. Next episode. Oh, this is good. This is, um, this is going to be a fun little pairing. We're going to be covering Woodstock 94 and Woodstock 99. Woodstock 99 will go just to the patrons and Woodstock 94 will go to everybody. So if you want to hear about the, the two horrible <laughs> things, how, how could things uh, even go worse stories between, behind uh, Woodstock 94 and Woodstock 99, then um, you'll want to become a patron so you can get that extra extra episode. Well, it's funny. And we are going to be. I was going to say 94 makes night or 99 makes 94 look like a Disney concert. Oh, it really does. Yeah. Yeah. I think really 94 was just disorganization and mud. Yeah. I think were the two big issues. Yeah. And then 1994 said, oh, you like the disorganization and mud, do you? Well, have we got something for you. We're going to take away the mud <laughs> and add concrete and heat. Right. Exactly. Let's, let's, 
<laughs> Let's make people sleep on an air fo- abandoned Air Force Base concrete runways. <laughs> awesome. What a great idea. Uh, we'll also have a movie episode if you're a patron. So stick around for that. That's going to be coming up. If you want to get in touch with us, please email us. You can reach us at soundographypodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the soundography. Uh, we, we post there, especially when we have new episodes. Stuff goes out there. Soundography.com is the website where you're going to find all of our stuff, including archives of every single episode we've ever done. In each of those episodes in the show notes, you'll find a link to our playlists on Spotify. You'll find a link to Amazon where you can buy the music or buy the recommended albums um, that we uh, suggest if you like to hear more. And of course, we give you a link to support us on Patreon. Uh, In addition to the stuff we mentioned before, extra episodes, there's always some goodies and and things like that. Extra little audio clips that we send out, pre and post show stuff that Hammond records and, uh, and stuff that gets edited out that you don't necessarily get to hear as a regular listener. So check that out. You can support for as low as a couple bucks a month. And uh, we really, really, really appreciate your support. And those audio clips, uh, those audio clips are usually spawned by my type errors, my typing. <laughs> sometimes I, yeah, sometimes if I don't read ahead and catch myself, because you, you, you have to type so much stuff for these shows that of course the occasional typo is going to get through. And if I don't catch it before I stumble, I'm like, oh, bleh, 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 bleh. Yep. yeah, all over the place. Yeah. Much like that second um, uh, Bengals album. I'm sorry. First Bengals album. <laughs> by the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, if you love the show, leave a review where you get your podcast so other people can discover the show as well. Uh, we love to hear your feedback. Uh, however you get it to us, definitely let us know what you like, what you don't like, what we could do better and all that stuff. We love, we love to hear from you. Hammond, anything to close us out? No, actually, well, maybe. I just want to, uh, this was a fun week. and It was a fun week. And I'm looking forward to discussing the uh, perils of Woodstock. Yeah, I am too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I've watched one of the documentaries. I'm thinking I'm going to watch the other one just to kind of get the full, um, the full picture. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to talking about some of these bands that that um, I like a little bit less for the things that they did <laughs> those <laughs> concerts. So find out all about that stuff on our next episode. On behalf of Hammond Chamberlain, this is Brandon Bitsing. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Soundography. Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com.